Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Way Church Service. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for making this all possible for us by becoming the final sacrifice for our sins, going to the cross, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins so we can become new creations, the final sacrifice. You have a new life. Eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. This ministry has a goal, and that's to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we use it to see how God wants us to live, think, act, serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Amen? Each part of his body is very precious to God. I want to personally welcome each and every one of you to the way tonight. We depend on God's grace. Thank God for that. Not our own power to accomplish his will for our lives. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it? So it doesn't disturb tonight's service. And we'll start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us this awesome opportunity tonight to come together as your family, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and place your name above all names, Lord, even our own, as all of us fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving us and forgiving us all our sins, Lord, and trespasses. Thank you for that, Lord, and help us give us ourselves that forgiveness and extend that forgiveness to others, Lord, like you always forgive us, Lord. Thank you for your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies that begin afresh every day, Lord, for without them, we would never be able to do your will, Lord. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit and all the power we need for accomplishing your will in our lives, Lord, and our purpose here on planet Earth, Lord. Let us always build each other up, Lord, never to tear each other down like the world does, Lord. But let the word build us all up, Lord, and let us all grow and become doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, Lord. And we pray for the people that can't be here tonight and the ones that are sick, Lord, that you reassure them you're with them every step of the way, Lord, and you'll never leave them nor forsake them, Lord. And as always, let everything we do tonight be led by your spirit, Lord, and not my flesh. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to worship the Lord.
that song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Amen? Uh, hope is in the Lord. Thank God for that, right? Thank God it's not in the world anymore. Whew. All right. How's everybody doing tonight, okay? It's always a blessing to be here with God's people tonight. I'm real grateful to be here. It's always good to see uh, everybody, as always. You know, I'm glad I'm here, that's for sure, right? Thank you, Jesus. Just a reminder, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over as I begin the message of the Lord, so please be attentive to that, and not to cause any distractions that might try to take us out of the Spirit. Amen? Okay. Let us begin in Hebrews chapter 10 tonight. Brittany, um, um, Mary put up there on the board for us. A good chapter there. We're going to have to back up a little bit. I can't stay there. Where's she got it at? 19? I'm going to back up to 16. <laughs> the book of Hebrews is really awesome. It really explains the new covenant really well. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Is everybody there? All right. This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day. Or in the Greek, after those days. Says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And he's quoting Jeremiah 31, verse 33 right there. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Again, he's quoting Jeremiah 31, verse 34. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Amen? Look, we get saved. God comes before us. He saves us. He says, you don't have to offer any sacrifices anymore. You don't have to be a good person and toe the line and serve the church and any of that. To get saved anymore. The curtain is done. There's no more sacrifice. All we have to do is believe in the one and only Son of God. Amen? The good works that we do after we get saved are the fruit of our salvation, not the condition of it. Thank God for that. Amen? Okay, so we have to understand that. Now look at verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Not because of any other reason, but the blood of Jesus can we enter that. By his death, or through his flesh, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. And this is great right here. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Wow. Just imagine... The blood of Jesus covers our guilty conscience too, amen? And what does the devil do? He tries to heap guilt on us when we fail, right? No, it's been done. He paid every sin debt for us, so we never have to feel guilty again when we fail. 
Not if we fail, when we fail. Conviction, yes, which is a good thing. But guilt, no. Amen? That's been dealt with. It's been sprinkled. And what does it say here? Because, because of what? His blood and have been washed with pure water. What does it mean, water? Does that mean he, he like throws us in the shower? People get this scripture so twisted by thinking that they have to get dunked in water to get clean. That's not what it means. We've been sprinkled with the water of what? Washed with what? The word of God is what washes our what? Minds of the pollution that is created through learning the principles of the world, which is controlled by Satan. Amen? Our minds get renewed. It's like sticking your head in a washer. That's, you know, saying those people are brainwashed? That's exactly what a Christian should be. Their brain should be washed of the filth and the principles of the world and reinstated and re put in the principles of the Word of God. Amen? So that's why it takes a long time for a believer to mature because we have all the principles of the world in our minds that are locked in. It's very hard to put the new principles in because it's filled with the old principles. So eventually, what? They have to get pushed out. And that's the job of God and the Holy Spirit through the sanctification process. Amen? And that's why it takes so long to get from here into here. In heaven, it's a one-time deal. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and heaven is our home. But down here... It takes time to become like Christ, doesn't it? Because the flesh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hey, an amen for this. We all understand the struggle as Christians that we have. But guilt is not a motivating factor. Guilt takes us away from God. Conviction leads us closer to the cross, knowing that I need to depend on him to overcome this. Amen? Okay. Now look what it says. Let us hold tightly, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. There's another big issue that Christians have, trust issues. Okay? We have trust issues with people of the world, people that burnt us, people that have done things to us, and it's very hard to gain trust in God, somebody we can't see. Amen? So that's why it takes time to build our trust in Him. And that's the problem that everybody has, and everybody has to go through this. Can I get, him, get an amen for this? He can be trusted to keep His promise. And how do we know we can trust Him to keep His promise? When you read the Bible from cover to cover, every promise He made came to pass. Amen? That's how you know you can trust Him. That's why we need to read the Bible. Now look what it says in verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Well, the way you see things out there, I mean, I don't know when he's coming back, but it's definitely setting up for that, isn't it? People are definitely taking God out of this country, that's for sure. They don't want to use the principles of the word anymore. The, this, this nation is in great compromise right now. We need to pray for this nation, and we're going to be getting on prayer as a topic tonight. Very, very important. Now look at verse 26. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth... There is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. What are they saying? If you don't believe on the Lord Jesus, 
to take away your sins and cleanse you, there is actually no other sacrifice that you can make that would ever make you feel that you've been washed away of your sins. Amen? It doesn't mean that you lost your salvation. That's not what it means. There's just no other sacrifice that's going to let you know that it's okay. God's got it covered. Your sins are forgiven. Amen? Always be if the guilt and shame and condemnation of your sins will always be with you till you go home to be with the Lord. Amen? So we have to believe that he washed them away. What else is there? There's only a terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemy. So we'll be living down here in constant what? Dread and fear and hell in our conscience and in our minds because we're not believing that he paid the price for all of our sins. Past, present, and future. Can I get an amen for this? And the devil loves to make us feel that way, doesn't he? I'm not towing the line. I should be a better Christian. I didn't do the right thing today. I'm going to try harder. I hear this all the time. You can't do anything. That's the problem. You're trying to do it in the flesh. We can't overcome our sin nature in the flesh. That's why we need Jesus. And we have to start trusting him to do it for us. Amen? And start to use the, start to use the principles of the Bible instead of the principles of the world to overcome our sin nature. Amen? Okay. I got one for us too. That was great scripture. Go to Colossians chapter 1. I'm starting to get warmed up now. <laughs> okay. Is everybody with me so far here? Colossians chapter 1, we'll go to verse 3. We're going to be getting into our study of the spiritual warfare and the, and the seven weapons that God gives us, and we're going to be getting into prayer tonight a little bit. It's going to be really good. All right, verse 3. We always pray for you and give thanks to God the Father, he's talking to the Colossians here, of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from the confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. What's the good news? Let's read about this now. This is awesome. This is the truth about God's grace now. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by what? Changing lives. Do you see it? Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. What's he trying to say here? God's grace is the power that changes our lives. Amen? That's the truth of why God's grace is. God's grace changes our life. It's not, God's grace isn't for us to continue, it's to change. I'm going to read that again. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your life. Now you have to ask yourself, has the grace of God and the message and the good news changed your life? And if it has, it will help you give, give way to change other people's lives. Amen? But first it's got to change yours. Can I get an amen for this? Changing life. Just as it changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Now when you get the right message about God's grace... 
and you really understand it, what does it do? It changes your life. Amen? The power is in God's grace. Amen? We have to understand that's what it's there for, to help us overcome. The power is in the grace of God. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. Right? He has told us about the love for others. Listen to this one. That the Holy Spirit has given you. How do you know that you have the Holy Spirit? By your love for other people. That's how you know. Not because you're good. And not because you're doing the right thing. It's because of your love for other people. You see it right here? He has told us about the love for others. That the Holy Spirit has given you. That's how you know if you're transforming. When you start to show love for others. And what kind of a love am I talking about here? 1 Corinthians 13, love, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boastful or proud or rude. Doesn't exalt itself, right? Is willing to endure through all circumstances, right? That's the kind of love God is producing in us. That's how you know you're on the right path. Can I get me meant for this? All right. Now, let's get to our message about the spiritual warfare. Is everybody ready for this now? We don't have to get machine guns out anymore, okay, to fight this battle. Our most effective weapons are on our knees, amen? That's the most effective weapon that we have against this spiritual warfare. All right. I'm going to explain the seven principles first, okay? We already went through these, right? The first one is truth, right? The seven weapons. Second one is righteousness. We did all this. is on the website. Go back to it. I'm not going back to these scriptures. The gospel of peace. Faith. Right? Salvation. The word of God. And the one we haven't talked about yet is prayer. A very, very important one. Like the most important one. Alright, first we have to understand that we're in, we're in a war... And you're in it. As a Christian, okay? Like it or not, all of us are caught up in the spiritual war that's taking place between good and evil. Amen? All of us. If you don't engage in the war, you'll still be affected by it. And you'll, and you'll be much more vulnerable to evil than you would if you decided to fight as God calls you to do. Can I get an amen for this? So be active, not passive. Engage in spiritual warfare with the confidence that God's power working through you is greater than any evil working against you. Your prayers can help prevent bad things from happening to people and usher good things into people's lives. Listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings for guidance about how best to pray for what's most needed. And then pray to advance God's kingdom on earth and stop the spread of evil. Can I get an amen for this? What else? Know your commander and stand on his side. Who's our commander? The, your commander in spiritual warfare is Jesus Christ, which is the word of God is our commander. Okay, Jesus Christ. He's our commander. Okay, he leads two armies. The army of holy angels in heaven and the army of prayer warriors on earth. Okay? Jesus chose you, saves you, gives you an eternal inheritance of blessings, and lives in your soul as the Holy Spirit. 
Okay? Jesus wants you to choose his side in the spiritual war. And remember that the power he gives you is more powerful than evil. Big amen for that, right? Your commander Jesus is the greatest example of a prayer warrior. By studying his life on earth, you can learn how to serve God without any fear. Recognize who your true enemy is. This is a big one. Christians miss this up all the time. They think people on the side of them are their enemy. Or the people, no, we're not, they're not our enemy. It's behind them. Who's the enemy? Satan is the enemy, exactly. Your enemy is Satan, the highest rank of the fallen angels who rebelled against God. Satan is your adversary, accuser, tempter, and deceiver. He works by trying to convince you to doubt God's truth and believe his lies instead. You open doors for your enemy to attack you. Listen now. Whenever you deliberately disobey God and choose to sin, it's vital to run away from temptations to sin and pray against Satan's plan to hurt you and other people. Amen? Be certain of your authority in prayer. Now listen. Jesus has given you the authority to pray in his name and to know that he will answer your prayers according to God's will and at the right time. Be confident that you can pray to usher God's power into any situation. Can I get an amen for that? All right. I'm starting to get warmed up now. How do I know? There's a bead of sweat dropping on my back. There it comes. <laughs> okay. The power of prayer for supernatural strength and authority. God's purpose may be thwarted or it may be accomplished depending to one degree or another, okay? On the obedience of his people and their willingness to use the weapons of spiritual warfare that he has provided. God is powerful enough to win any battle, but he has designed things so that the release of his power at any given moment of time often is contingent upon the decisions and the actions of his people. A principal weapon of spiritual warfare is prayer. Not just routine or mediocre prayer, but prayer powerful enough to move God's hand in order to determine the destiny of a whole nation. The body of Christ also has a task, okay? We want to change the world for Christ. That's what we're saved for. It's a huge task for all of us, but we do it one life at a time. Some are reaching people in their workplace or in another country. Some are reaching people in the hospitals or in the schools. We are all in this together. Can I get an amen for this? We want to see people's lives changed all over the world before Jesus' return to earth. But the task is huge and we need the right tools to do it. The most essential tool is prayer. Only through prayer can we get the job done. There is strength and power in prayer that can change the world. Big amen, right? Okay, we work together with God's power when we exercise our authority in prayer. Authoritative intercession and heartfelt repentance is the key to breakthrough in America, okay? By exercising our authority in prayer, right, and standing strong in God's truth, we are working together with him to determine the future of our nation, we have authority in prayer to actually see our personal lives and the lives of others to change. 
Okay? We can pray authoritative prayers for our neighborhoods and cities. Certain things in history will happen through our intercession if we pray to God the way God wants us to pray. We can change nations through prayer if we choose to use this mighty weapon. Amen? Now listen now. How can we embrace the power of prayer? How can we really grasp this power? We, this is the most powerful thing we have. We have to understand, but we got to learn how to embrace it. Okay? When the disciples walked on earth with Jesus, okay, they had the privilege of being able to ask him any question they wanted. We have that same privilege as well. Okay? But of all the things that they asked Jesus, one of the things that sticks out above the others is when they asked him to teach them to pray. Okay? Go to Luke 11, chapter 1. We're going to start there tonight. Okay? Is everybody with me so far on this? Amen. Luke chapter 11, yes. Everybody with me so far? Yeah. All right. That's good. All right, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, Jesus said, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation or and keep us from being tested. Verse 5. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used the story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for the friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Amen? That's what God wants us to do. Never give can I get any man for this? <laughs> so look at verse 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the doors will be open to you. To everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the doors will be open. Now we know that we're in, when we're praying in God's will, he will answer our prayers. But don't think if it's not in God's will, the prayer will not get answered. That's just the way it goes. Can I get an amen for this? Amen. Sometimes it's not the will of God. Go to Matthew 6. So we're going to let the Bible teach us how to pray. Ain't that a good way? You want to learn how to pray? Let's do it the way the Bible tells us to pray. Right? If anybody knows how to pray, it would be Jesus, right? 
I love the way Matthew puts it. Look at verse 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, there's a big one, who sees everything. You see it? Your father sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Well, there's a lot of religions that practice that way. That's not biblical. See how people just take that? That's not the way they do it. It says not to do that. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Jesus said this, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. We all ask for that a lot, right? Lord, please come back. <laughs> may your will be done on earth, not my will be done. It was his will be done on earth. Can I get a big amen for this? Are you praying for his will to be done? Believe me, because his will and your will are not going to line up. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, or give us today our food for the day, or give us today our food for tomorrow, and forgive our sins. You see it? As we have forgiven those who sinned against us. See it right there? Forgive us our sins, and forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, or, and keep us from being tested, but rescue us from the evil one, or from evil, right? And some manuscripts add, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now it says in verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. What you trying to say is, you're not going if you don't forgive others for, what, for their sins, you are never going to get the relief and forgiveness of your sins from God. Although they've already been forgiven, you will never sense that forgiveness in your heart if you don't forgive anybody else. Can I get an amen for that? You'll always feel the burden and shame from them. That's why he says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry because anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you cannot represent the Lord properly. Can I get an amen for this? You have to be able to forgive, especially yourself. What is it about prayer or what is the power of prayer that would cause the disciples to want to learn how to do it correctly? A basic definition of the power of prayer is when you invite heaven's resources to intervene in your earthly situation. Since heaven's resources are unlimited, when you are inviting the omnipotent God into the equation and asking him to fix or do something about your circumstance, when you grasp that, then you are getting a hold of what the power of prayer is. Amen? All right, now what does the Bible say about the power of prayer? Let's go to Psalm 107. Let the Bible speak, amen? Everybody with me so far? Beautiful. I put the work in so I can deliver it as clearly as I can to you. Thank you, Jesus, right? Psalm 107, verse 28. 
Lord, help. <laughs> they cried in their trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Let them exalt him publicly before the congregation and before the leaders of the nation. He changes rivers into deserts and springs of water into dry, thirsty land. He turns the fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there, but he also turns deserts into pools of water. Amen? The dry land into springs of water. He brings the hungry to settle there and build their cities. They sow their fields, plant their vineyards, and harvest their bumper crops. How he blesses them. They raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. When they decrease in number and become impoverished through, through oppression, trouble, and sorrow, the Lord pours contempt on their princes, causes them to wander in trackless wastelands. But he rescues the poor from trouble and increases their families like flocks of sheep. The godly will see these things and be glad, while the wicked are struck silent. Those who are wise will take all this to heart. They will see in our history the faithful love of the Lord. Can I get a big amen for that? The Lord always comes true for his people. We have to trust and believe that. And that's why he wants us to pray. And that's how we communicate with God. Do we pray enough? Do we pray for the right things? There's so many ways to pray. He says to pray without ceasing. How do you pray without ceasing? What is a prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. It's not always, you don't have to go somewhere special. You can pray to God everywhere now. Remember the curtain's been torn? You can pray to God now. You can pray to him later. You can pray for him to stable your mind right now so you can get the message. Because you know how we drift in our minds, right? How we get doubtful and deceitful. But the word of God is always true. Okay? If the devil puts that in our minds to what? Cause doubt. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. One more here. Listen to what he says here in Acts. Acts chapter 4, verse 28. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their heart, their threats, and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. The believers share their possessions. Listen to this one. This is how much it changed them. All the believers were united in heart and mind. Wow, two things. Heart and mind. So heart and mind is not the same. 
Okay? Heart and mind is two different things, okay? First we have to think about it, and then it has to become us. That's our heart, okay? Heart and mind. Now look what it says. We're united. They felt, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. From these two verses and so many others, you can see that one of the powers in prayer is where God's people ask for his help in their current situations. Amen? And what? God came through. Why is prayer so powerful? There is an old expression that says, God helps those who helps themselves. How many of us have heard that a million times? Many think that this is in the Bible, but it's not in the Bible. Okay? Not only is it not in the Bible, but it's also not really true. If you hold on to this type of thinking, you will nullify prayer's power. When you think about what the real power of prayer is, it is not coming from a person who believes they can help themselves, but from a person who knows they can't. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus told this parable, and when you understand it, you will understand what the power of prayer is. Let's go to Luke chapter 18 now. I don't know how many times I heard that God helps those who help themselves. Well, if we could help ourselves, I don't think we need Jesus, would we? That is a very prideful statement. God helps those who help themselves. And you will pay the price for thinking that way. Look at um, verse 9 in Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. How's that one? You ready for this? Two men went to the temple to pray. They both went to pray now. Listen to what it's saying. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. Right? The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I am certainly like, not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. Verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance and did not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Can I get a big amen for that? How many Pharisees do you see out there today? Still thinking that they're better, I'm not like them, and I'm like that. How many people still compare people to other people? Those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves 
will be exalted. Can I get a big amen for that? Everybody thinks by what they have makes them better than someone else. There's a stark difference between these two men praying. One came with full confidence, knowing he had done everything right in his praying was just the icing on the cake of his self-righteousness. The other one could barely lift his eyes toward heaven, okay? Yet he is the one that experienced the power in prayer. There were two simple but important reasons why. And I'm going to explain them. You ready? Reality. If there is a key to experience power in prayer, it is making sure you pray from a place of reality. What I mean by this is that you don't hide the truth about yourself and your situation and how you feel about it. One reason we never have real times of breakthrough in prayer is because we often approach God like the Pharisee, either falsely believing that we have it all together or thinking we must get it together before we approach God. Because God helps those who helps themselves. The truth is, you need to come to God just the way you are, bring the situation just the way it is, and be open, real, and honest before God. This is what God wants from you, and when you do this, you position yourself to experience the real power of prayer. Can I get amen for that? Second one, humility. I mentioned earlier that statement about God helping those who help themselves, right? The truth is the opposite. God helps those who realize they can't help themselves. How about a big amen for that? Those who cry out to him for his help. When you invite heaven's resources into your situation, that means you are acknowledging that what you have is not enough. If you are repenting of sin and are admitting you don't have enough righteousness on your own, if you are praying for opportunities, you are admitting that you can't create them on your own. If you're praying for wisdom, you're admitting that you don't have all the answers. It doesn't matter what you're praying for when you humble yourself and recognize that without God's help, it is not going to happen. Then you are positioned yourself to know and experience what the power of prayer really is. Amen? How's them apples? How many of us think that they're powerful? More powerful than God. Look, if God's not with you, you cannot get your prayers answered. And there's a reason why God's not with you, because you think that you don't need him. You think that you're just as powerful as he is. That's called Pharisaic. Pharisaical thinking that you're better than other people, that what you have is more than other people, makes you better than other people, that you define yourself by what you have down here. That has nothing to do with spiritual life. Can I get amen for this? As a matter of fact, the blessing is in the brokenness. That's the blessing. Does prayer physically aid us? Yes, it does. As great as spiritual benefits are from prayer, there have been studies that shown that there are physical ones as well. Admittedly, this is not my really area of expertise, okay? But here's a little information from a study. A 2009 study by colleagues found that six weekly in-person Christian prayer sessions with patients at a primary care office lowered their depression and anxiety symptoms and increased their optimism. 
because God understands fully all the benefits of prayer, it is no surprise that he would encourage us to do it. It is why verses like this make more sense. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. Everybody with me so far right now? Mm -hmm. Good. All right, look at 1 Peter 5, verse 7. Now, this is a process, okay? Peter says clearly, Give all your worries and cares to God. All right. Can we honestly say we do that? No. Yeah. Why? For he cares about you. Why does he tell us to do that? Stay alert. Now look, why is he telling us? Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. Amen? So we have to understand. We have to give our worries and cares over to him. That is what spiritual growth is all about. Being able to give God all your cares and worries and move on. I mean really give it to him. Just like when you give somebody the keys to drive your car. You sit in the back and let them drive. You need to give the worries to God and not worry anymore. Obviously, if you're still worried about it, you haven't given it to him. Can I get any amen for this? It's called faith. We have to have the... It says, without faith... It's impossible to please God. Anybody believes in, anybody who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. So we have to seek him in every circumstances. All of us have cares and worries, but God says you've got to give them to me. So you can enjoy your life down here, saying, I got this. Leave it to me. I'm working on a circumstance. We want instant, instant, instant. But he has takes time for us for him to make the circumstance work out. Amen. As these patients continued in prayer, listen up now, their anxieties and worries were lowered. This happens because in prayer, they transferred their anxieties from themselves to God and allowed Him to carry them. In prayer, God is not just concerned about your need, He is concerned about you as well. Part of the reason God desires you to pray is because He knows it is good for your health. The things you let go of and give to God are not only good for your spirit, but they are also good for your body and mind too. This is a power of prayer that we most certainly overlook. Amen? Now, is there anything that prayer cannot do? As powerful as prayer is, there is one thing that prayer, faith, or anything else can't do. Prayer cannot supersede or override the will of God, okay? You can pray as much as you want for as long as you want and with as much faith as you can muster, but it will not change what God has willed to do. For this reason, one of the most powerful weapons in prayer is agreement with God's will. Not only are we encouraged to pray God's will be done, Think the Lord's Prayer on this, right? We are also assured that when we pray according to God's will, He will do what we are praying for. Amen? Amen. This is awesome. So sometimes 
Guess what? The answer is no. You understand? God can say no to you without an explanation. And believers think God is a genie and say, I'm going to leave the church if my prayer don't get answered. And God's saying, there's the door. I didn't create you to serve you. I created you to serve me. If my will be done, it's not your will. My child is not good for you. You just don't see the beginning to the end. I do. Be careful what you pray for. You just might get it. And then try to pray it away after. <laughs> ah, I pray these people don't bother me anymore. Then you find yourself alone all the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> As a Christian, you shouldn't want to be alone all the time. Sometimes, not all the time. <laughs> all right. First John chapter 5. Let's go there. We're just going to make it through this tonight. See that? God is good, amen? Scripture doesn't lie. You can't go wrong with Scripture. 1 John 5, verse 13. So, who's John writing to? Look at verse 13. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. Or what, is, what pleases Him? Praying in His will, not ours. Right? And since we know He hears us when we make our requests, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. Now in verse 16 it says, if you see a fellow believer or brother sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death, and I am not saying that you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. We know, look at verse 18 now, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. Okay, there's a difference between falling into sin and practicing sin or living in sin. Can I get an amen for this? There's a difference. Living in sin is what leads to death. That's what he's talking about here. If you live in sin, you're going to die. That's what he's talking about here. He's not talking about one particular sin. He's talking about you living a sinful life is what's going to lead to death. It's saying, I say you shouldn't pray for that. It's saying, if you haven't transformed and you're still living a sinful life, it's going to lead to death. Can I get an amen for that? That's what it means. Not one particular sin. And I am not saying that you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not everyone leads to death. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Listen, when you're doing God's will and obeying God, God, you have the umbrella of God's protection around you. That's what he's saying. Listen to what he says here. We know that God's children, God's son holds them securely and the evil one cannot touch them. So when you're in this, the evil one can't touch you. That's what he's saying. When you believe in Jesus, the evil one can't touch you. What is it when the evil one touches us? Unbelief. Is believers unbelieving sometimes? Absolutely. That's when they take matters in their own hands. Yeah, God can't help you there. 
You've opened the door for the devil. God, you're not working fast enough. I timed you after three minutes, you didn't come through. I want to talk to your manager. You didn't serve me fast enough. Christians do this. Now listen to what it says. Look at verse 19. We know. Listen to what it says here now. Very carefully what it is saying here. Is everybody listening carefully what I'm going to read to you right now? Listen to what this is saying. We know that we are children of God. Okay? And that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Do you understand? The children of God are not under the control of the evil one. The unbelieving world is. So we have to understand, anyone that is not a believer in Jesus Christ is under the control of the evil one. Everybody. There's nobody else. The only way you could not be under control of the evil one is if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can I get an amen for this? That's why it's so important to tell people about Jesus so they do not stay under the control of the evil one. That's what it says right here. Now look what it says. And we know, listen to what it says in verse 20 now. See, he's saying that we know. See, you have to know this stuff in order for it to work. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God or the one who is true. And now we live in fellowship with the true God. Why? Because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, living in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, is living in fellowship with what? You're in fellowship with the Word of God. See, that's why you're always in the Word of God. That's what it says. You're in fellowship with His Son. When you're in the Word of God, you're in fellowship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Not the guy in the wall in the picture. Now, look what it says. With, with, with the true God, because look at verse... All right. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and He is eternal life. Now it says in verse 21, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. He gives us everything, right? But there's things in our life that can take our place, His place in our hearts. That's why we always have to evaluate where we are with this. Are we always putting God first? Do we want to put Jesus? Do we want to make sure we're in church? Do we want to make sure we study the Bible? If not, we are putting other things in front of him. And it says right here, keep away from anything that may take God's place in your heart, like your flesh, right? Or keep away, keep yourselves away from idols. Keep yourself away from the things you created instead of the creator. Amen? Very, very important. All right, when we consider this verse, we get an even better understanding of the power of prayer. The real power of prayer is when your will and desires come into alignment with God's will and desires. Amen? Amen. When this happens, there's nothing that God will not do in answer to prayer because your prayers are already aligned with what he wants to do in the first place. Isn't that powerful, right? All right, before we close, I just want to share this. Oh, we're almost done. Let's just go through this. How can we become prayer warriors? Who wants to be a prayer warrior? Yeah. How many have struggled with prayer? Yeah, I struggle with prayer. Yeah, me up here, I struggle with prayer. Why? Because I have this. 
I think I'm self-sufficient. Some of the things I think I can do without prayer. How about you? And so we don't pray. Especially if we're upset with God about something or something's not coming through. Well, I'm not praying today. And God said, what's the matter with you? I'm the only, that's the only thing that's going to help you. <laughs> we're all like this. That's why we need to do this. I wish there was some secret to becoming a prayer warrior that I could share with you. But honestly, there is none. The truth is, the only way to grow in prayer is by praying. You can study the prayers of Jesus and all the prayers in the Bible, which is a good thing to do. However, as much as you do that, you won't grow in prayer until you do it. So go and study prayer, but don't stop there. Put everything you learn about prayer into practice, and you are on your way to becoming a prayer warrior. You could use the wisdom of James in this situation. All right, last scripture, James 1. This worked out perfect. Let the Spirit speak. Amen? Look at verse 19 of James 1. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger or a man's anger does not produce the righteousness or the justice that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. How about a big amen for that? The word has the power to save your soul. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word of God and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law or word that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. How many of us have problem? Need a zipper? Having trouble with this, right? It's wicked, right? Look what it says. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're only fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Coming to church, reading the Bible, all the stuff you do for God is worthless if you can't control your tongue. It says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, helping people, in other words, when they're in distress. And what's the next one it says? In refusing to let the world corrupt you. So that means the world is always trying to corrupt believers. Can I get an amen for this? How many can honestly say the world doesn't try to corrupt you every day? It's a battle, right? It tells us to refuse that, though. As you apply this principle to prayer, don't just merely learn about it, study it, and read all about it. Go and do it. Okay? Without that step, you can never become a prayer warrior. And I got to just say, my wife in the back, I don't like to exalt her, but... Like, I'm looking for her, right? Where is she? She's got the door shut, and I hear her wailing in the, in the thing. Like, as soon as there's a problem, she runs in the bedroom and starts praying. And I'm saying, wow, I need that. You know what I do when there's a problem? I start thinking. That's the problem. 
When there's something going on with me, instead of going and pray, I start to think. Right? And that what? Opens the door to the devil. Now I start to reason. Instead of going to humble myself in prayer, I start to reason about it. And then what? I then don't end up praying. Truthfully speaking, prayer is the most powerful force or weapon on earth. You could be in one place and impact situations around the world simply by asking God to intervene. That's why it's important for us who are Christians to make prayer a priority and not leave it on the back burner. When we do, we position ourselves to see God's power and operation, which will happen when his people pray. God's power is activated in response to his people calling upon his name. That, my friends, is what the power of prayer is all about. Can I get an amen for that? That's it. We're done. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Take that to heart. Always go and pray. And if you have a problem praying, go in the Bible, read the prayers of Jesus, and just start praying, praying, praying. Amen? amen. All right, Brittany, we're going to sing a song on the screen. We're going to watch a, um, a video, and we're going to close. Oh, we got to pray first. Hold on. We've got to close in prayer. Dave, you want to come close us? We've got to close in prayer first. Right, we bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for another great message tonight. Uh, I thank your message of prayer because prayer is very important out there. We see all these religions who pray and repeat the same words over and over again and kill demons. So I think, I'm thankful for your message tonight that we can use prayer as a way to talk to you, have a general relationship with you. Not a fake one, but a real one. Yes, Lord. Prayer is the only way that we'll grow in you and we can trust in you. Because once we start praying with you, we begin to see a work in motion. As you read the Bible, this has happened through every single person who has prayed through you and has faith in you. Your will will be done, always. And so I pray that tonight, with the rest of our lives, we may grow with you in the art of prayer. And through your son's most precious name, I say this prayer to you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, David. Thanks, David. Thank you, everybody.